live from the Kima Podcast Studio in Pennsylvania. It's the Kima Podcast, the emergency management podcast for Kima members by Kima members. I'm your host, Paul Falavolito, and co-hosting today's episode back in Chester County. It's Amy Amir. Hey, Paul. Hey. Happy Hurricane Preparedness Week. Happy Hurricane Preparedness Week to you. And boy, oh boy, am I excited for today's episode because we've been talking about this guy for the last few episodes. Ladies and gentlemen, on the line, we do have the Kima president, Mr. Roy Shipley. Roy, good morning. Good morning, Paul and Amy. Glad to be with you this morning. Yeah, we're very happy that you made time for us. And, you know, we've been talking about, obviously, Kima now for eight episodes, and we've been talking about the Kima president and the importance of getting you on the show so that the membership can hear you and hear that you really do exist and that you're just not a figment of anyone's imagination. (laughs) So what I'd love to do, Roy, can you just give us a little background about uh, who you are and what your background is? Well... I'm Roy Shipley. I'm the County Emergency Management Director for Fayette County. And as Paul said, I'm also the president of Pima, or Kima. And uh, uh, I've been the director at Fayette County. Uh, July 1st will start 32 years as the County Director for Emergency Management. I actually got my start in emergency management back in 1977 during the Jonestown flood. Worked up there as a volunteer and uh with my local fire department and uh it sparked my interest and stayed involved as a volunteer and i got the opportunity to uh uh, apply for the director in 87 and i was hired by the county and been there ever since been a good ride joyful uh opportunity to work with not just the people and the first responders in Fayette County, but across the state and including other states. That's fan. That's fantastic. Now this is your second run as Kima president. Is that correct? Uh, well, second, or if you want to look at third, wow. I filled out the, I filled out the, uh, uh term of, uh, Bob Madoff when he, uh, resigned Kima to take the uh, position in Pima. And then I had my term, and then now I'm going out to uh, Todd Blake's turf. So, so it's been, uh, again, you can tell it's, it's an enjoyable part of uh, what I think is important for Pennsylvania, important for emergency management from the county level and the, and the local level. So that's why I was willing to step up and uh, take it again and uh, to help the organization keep moving forward. Yeah, I th- I think it's a fantastic thing that you're doing, Roy. And I I think I've only had the pleasure of meeting you one time. Is that correct? When we were at the Monroeville Expo, or have our paths yeah. crossed somewhere else? Well, we may have passed, uh, crossed paths down in Allegheny County, but uh, definitely we we met. We got to talk a little bit at the expo. Yeah. So you know your 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 buddy here, Amy, uh, on the on the other line. <laughs> So she's kind of in charge of this Kima conference thing. <laughs> what what do you think the importance is for other emergency management personnel in Pennsylvania to attend this conference? Well, let me just go back a little bit, if I can, Paul. Yeah. When we was 
when uh, Kima was involved with the state conference, the Pima conference, and doing the vendors and helping with, you know, select the speakers and such, uh, but wasn't directly in charge with it. Uh, me and Amy got involved, and we we uh, helped make helped make the state conference good. And our vision was always that we should have our own state emergency management Pima conference to support and to put out training and informational sessions for not just the county and its staff, but for the local coordinators. And finally, you know, with the state backing out and not doing a conference last year, we we uh, embraced that endeavor. We so, embraced that. We embraced that endeavor, and we took that giant step forward with the support of the the rest of the executive board and membership. And I think it's very important for the uh, county uh, folks and the local folks to take advantage of that. We're offering good uh, classes that they can take advantage of the training and the knowledge, and they can always take something back that they can use in their job, whether it be a local or the county staff. There's a lot of good things we offer, and we, we try to put the things out there that's the interest of the day, of what they're going to be facing tomorrow, not, you know, something that well, we did that 20 years ago. No, we want to stay current and, and bring the, the topics to the table that they'd be facing in their everyday job. I think that's really, I, I think you captured it really good there, um, Roy. It's it's a good, it's been a learning experience for me as well, too, putting this an event this scale uh, together on this, you know, and we do it all by conference call, by FaceTime, by text message, by email. It, 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 it's just amazing how, how it's all come to fruition. But just a little plug here for the conference, you know, Roy, we've already picked our dates for next year for 2020 and our location. Yeah. Yep. So I think, I think that's, and there again, that's what we always try to do and we tried to impress upon that with the state when we was helping them. But they, they with, with their process, we understand they could never do that. But I think that's key to having good attendance, repeat attendance, and keeping keeping things fluid. Just putting that date out, location. So when they leave, you know, they leave this year in October, they'll know they're coming back next year. And then we can solicit ideas from those folks how we can make them better and keep improving on it every year. Yeah, that's a, absolutely. That's a good point. Now, Roy, I, I know you may not realize this, but when you mentioned that you were participating in the Johnstown flood, I was yep. I was six years old <laughs> while you while you were doing boots on the ground. So I graduated. I graduated from high school in 1977. I was going to uh, summer school at uh, at uh, Penn State Fayette campus, and. Uh, I had to take a couple of, I was taking a couple of English courses to help me out uh, later on in my education. And my professor said, uh, he said, it's, it's fine. You're up there. Cause I, I kept in contact with him. He said, when you come back, he said, you have to do your, 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 your grade will be your uh, paper on the Jonestown flood. And I could say that's the only time I ever got an A. <laughs> <laughs> that's great but but my point is obviously you know we're from two different generations and now all of a sudden 
Uh, you know, you did emergency management, you know, back in the day when it was probably pen and paper and what you saw and you picked up a landline and called people. And now we're in this social media era of emergency management and we're doing things like podcasting, uh, which goes out literally all over the world. So how do you feel about, you know, the Kima podcast and, and what, what we're trying to embark on here for, for the membership of Kima? Well, Paul, I, I, again, I, I thank you and Amy for taking that uh, project on. I think it's very, it's it's a very good uh, thing for Kima and to put, put the, get the word out there and the topics of the day. And I know you come from a wide uh, variety and wide area of knowledge, and that's good to share that. And that's what we uh, Kima's always been about, sharing that information. And as you said, you know, we do that with uh, some of the social medias uh, in our day-to-day operation, and uh, most of the counties do. And when you talk to the public, they, they just they think that's great. You know, they're driving down the highway, and you, and you put something out, and they get that. Well, the road's closed ahead, they can detour, you know. Yeah. They, they just, we get nothing but uh, good good results from that. Well, I I appreciate you trusting us to do this and uh, and allowing us to do this on behalf of Kima. My my closing question for you, sir, is where do you see Kima in the next two to five years? Oh, I can't wait to hear the answer to this. I'd envision Kima to continue to grow and to be the the conduit for the counties as well as the local. Uh, coordinators and first responders, let's just not to say EMA people, but all first responders to come to us and to be their mouthpiece and with the state agencies, FEMA and other state agencies, that we could advocate on behalf of them, as well as offer training that is current, stuff that they may not be getting elsewhere, that we can we can help with that link. And then that networking at the conference and building the conference and networking together. And again, that's back to it. You know, you meet somebody at the conference and you're facing an issue. And, hey, I call, I'll call Paul. He can help me with that. And I think that's what Keelan needs. We'll be building on that over the next year, making the conference bigger, making our network groups and our, our, our bigger. And I think when I say networks, I think of resources. You know, I don't think it, it's just the person behind that phone. That's a resource. You know, whether I I can call them. And I think that's where I think we need, we're going over the next, you know, two, three, four, five years is continue to build the Kima membership, continue to build the conference and be that spokesperson out in the, at the state level and the federal level for our people, our first responders and our citizens. You know, we need to be that part. We need, Kima needs to be that face. Great point, Roy. Amy? Uh, That's an excellent point. I I mean, that's everything that we've been talking about, especially in the past year since we came up with the idea for the conference. So is is to build it and to network. Yeah, good stuff. Well, Roy, listen, I'm not going to take up any more of your Saturday, and uh, I do appreciate you joining us for this episode, and I'll look forward to seeing you in Altoona if I don't see you sooner. Okay, and again, thank I, my thanks goes out to you and Amy for doing this and all that you do for the conference and for Kima. Uh, 
uh, from the president's uh, standpoint, I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're very welcome, sir. It's our great Thank honor. You. Take care, Roy. So. All right. Bye, Roy. Bye. So there you go. It's the uh, Kima president, Mr. Roy Shipley. That was awesome. I really like the whole, when he was talking about the networking opportunities at the conference, you know, I always think that is the biggest part of the conference is the networking opportunities. We can have the best classes, but honestly, it's what goes on after, after the classes and, and after dinner and everything like that. Yeah. Networking is always a good thing. And I'm going to jump right into this week in emergency management news. The Air Force Rescue Coordination Center reported that they received multiple airborne reports of an ELT signal in an area that borders Ohio and Pennsylvania. A Pennsylvania Civil Air Patrol unit was activated to locate the source of the signal. The ELT transmission was located in the New Cumberland, West Virginia area and silenced. Five Norfolk Southern rail cars derailed in Bratton Township, Mifflin County. Four rail cars went into the Juniana River. A total of 500 pounds of hydraulic cement spilled from the caps of the tankers into the river, DEP checked with the drinking water program, and there are no drinking water intakes in the area that were affected. Environmental Product Services is conducting the cleanup. A search was conducted at the scene of a possible water rescue in Montgomery Township, Franklin County. A canoe was found empty in the middle of a pond in the area. Multiple water and rescue dog teams participated in the search. The Civil Air Patrol assisted with a search flight, but nothing of significance was detected. The Maryland State Police sent a dive team with sonar to assist with the search, and on Thursday morning, the body was located and recovered. A rock slide closed State Route 147 in Upper Augusta Township, North Hampton County. The road was closed for 24 hours when the last of the debris was removed and a cleanup was completed. Jefferson County 911 phone lines and administrative phone lines were out of service in the Jefferson County 911 Center. Elk County dispatched 911 calls for them during the outage. The issue was with the MPS route that connects service from Zito Media to Brookville. A flash flood warning was issued for Somerset County. A code red notification was sent out to evacuate a total of 38 homes due to a landslide that occurred on a hill on Gilbert Hollow Road as a result of heavy rains. A contractor placed material on the washout area to prevent further landslides. The Somerset County Water Rescue Team was placed on standby. The evacuation order was lifted, and residents were able to return to their homes. Interstate 81 southbound was closed, and northbound lane was closed due to a tractor-trailer accident at mile marker 14. In Guilford Township, Franklin County, the vehicle struck the center median guard wires and dumped a load of lumber onto the roadway. No other vehicles were involved. There were no injuries or hazmat issues, and all lanes reopened after just under 10 hours. Emergency units conducted a search for a female who appeared to appeared to be hallucinating and yelling for help in a wooded area in Riverfront Park in Rochester Borough, Beaver County. Upon police arrival, the female could not be located. The county search team assisted with the search. Norfolk Southern train traffic was shut down in the area. Command terminated the search with nothing found. And that is this week in emergency management news. A lot going on, Amy. A lot going on. Busy week in the Commonwealth there. It is a very busy week in the Commonwealth with news. And, you know, there is kind of one talking point I want to talk about uh, with emergency management news, and I think this is pretty significant. Um, Have you read any of the articles online about the uh, attempts 
by a lot of um, government politicians to reclassify 911 dispatchers. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've been reading those articles. I think it's, I think it would be a good thing, especially, I mean, they do more than, than just dispatch, you know, I mean. Oh, absolutely. They do. And, and I guess the issue is, is that, you know, for, you know, a long time, 911 call takers and dispatchers, they've been classified as office and administrative support occupations. Right. And this right. this bill or whatever that's uh, I think it's the 911 Saves Act um that they're trying to fight to get passed is going to reclassify them into the protective service occupations which is the same as most first responders. So right. ab- absolutely I think it's a a very important thing to do because you know they're not administrative people, they're not secretaries. Um you know they're not paper pushers. They are the you know, the first voice that someone that needs help interacts with. I mean, think of like, they provide CPR instruction. I mean, I mean, that's just a small part of it, but they provide life safety, life saving instruction over the phone, not just CPR, but first aid, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So I, I just think it would be, I think it would be a great move forward. Yeah, I think it is too. And, you know, again, unfortunately, you know, the problem with our country is, you know, no one's ever going to agree on the same uh, points of views. And, of course, there's big debate saying that these people are not first responders because they're not actually going out into the field. But here's the thing, right, and this is just my take on this. These 911 call takers and dispatchers are as much a part of the call as we are whether you're police, fire, EMS, they are absolutely intertwined with this call from, you know, beginning until, um, you know, until we get on scene. Here's the thing. These calls mentally affect them the same way, if not more than it does us. And I'll give you an example. As a paramedic, if we get a call for a domestic disturbance in progress, and let's just say by the time we get there, the victim is deceased, right? Let's right. go back to that dispatcher and the call taker who was on the phone with that victim that called that in. And they were the last person that they that, that victim ever spoke with. Right. Right. As medics, we're walking in. Yes, it's a deceased body. It's horrible. It stinks. It's bad. Um you know, we see deceased bodies all the time, but we don't have a personal connection with that. We're seeing them as deceased, whereas that dispatcher and call taker physically spoke with them. This was the, right. the last person they spoke with. That's going to live with them mentally for the rest of their life. Yeah, they're first responders in my book. Right. And to think about the dispatchers and call takers, they, they deal with you in the worst 90 seconds of your life. You know, on average, that's what it takes to get the information and get the first, the, the everything moving is about 90 seconds. Yeah, I so, agree. I agree a thousand percent. It's the percent. longest 90 seconds of your life, too. So let's so. hope that this uh, passes and, and we can get uh, those heroes uh, in the 911 centers, the recognition and the reclassification that they need. Now, this was a crazy busy week for me. It started off. With, we had a very large search here in Allegheny County that uh, I got asked to uh, put together and coordinate and run. And then the very next day was the
the coveted G290 class for two days. The last thing I needed for my professional emergency management certificate. And I'm happy to report I'm done. And you know that because you were there helping to teach it. I was. It was my uh, first um, my first time at trying at, at instructing. And, and so it was a learning experience for myself as well, too. But so as a student, what, what did you think of G290? I thought it was I thought it was great. It was it's one of those classes that you kind of go into it dreading because you're like, oh God, I'm gonna sit here for two days. But what made it over the top and kind of what charges your batteries and makes you want to come back and be gung ho about this were two things for me. Number one, they brought in all kinds of media people. And we did like this media roundtable. There was someone from print media. There was someone from radio there. There was someone from one of the big television stations. And there was another uh, newer media agency that did podcasting and some print work. And to have them be able to sit up in front of the classroom and just get peppered with questions from the students I thought was great. But more importantly, to hear back from them. Um, I thought was fantastic about what they're looking for, what they need to do their job, you know, what they hope and expect from us um, on some of these larger emergency scenes. I thought it was just a fantastic uh, thing. And then segue that into then they put them actually in the the county media room where all the press conferences um, take place. And then, you know, the scenario that we've been given as a group that we uh, had to work on for two days. And by the way, I have to send a shout out to group five to all my new, <laughs> to all my friends in group five, because that was my group. And I had someone there from city of Pittsburgh, Homeland security. I had a guy that was active duty air force in the group, uh, a young lady that was hospital administration up in Dubois. And um, you know, your everyday all American guy that was a fire chief and a hazmat guy. So we had a great group that we worked on. So if they're listening, hello, Um, but then we had to go into the media room and sit in front of these professional media people. Well, actually not sit, but stand at the podium in front of these media people and deliver, uh, a a media briefing, um, in that formal press conference setting and get asked the hard questions by them. To me, I thought that was a game changer. That's the type of learning that I like. I like that. I actually, I actually like that whole scenario. Um, I really liked it that they had you work your scenario for the whole, like for almost the entire two days. So that way, when you got up in front of the press and they asked you the hard questions, you were familiar enough with your topic that um, you were, you weren't like pulling from, you know, the bottom of the barrel trying to come up with some quick answer. Yeah. I thought, I I, I thought everyone did a great job. It was like I said, for, for me, that was like the, holy crap, this is uh this is learning experience that you can't like buy. You know, yeah. I mean, I thought it was just fantastic. And like I said, it, it really, you know, recharged my already charged emergency management, you know, battery. And uh, I can't say enough good stuff. You know, the instructors, um, you know, Bob Gerlach did a great job. Steve and Barlina oh. did a great job. And uh, what? we're going to have to pay him a dollar. OK. And, you know, I thought you did a great job for your first time uh, teaching it as as well. And um yeah, like I said, I can't say enough good stuff uh, about it, and I, I definitely, you know, what I would love to do, man. I, I, I got to get my EMS people to do the G two eighty nine and the two ninety because, you know, um, 
any one of them could, you know, if I'm on vacation, any one of them could be called upon to have to do a press release or interact with the media. And it's just, you know, I think it's a very beneficial uh, program. I, I do too. Even just having the basics of the, of a public information concepts or the press releases or things like that. So, yeah. So, so 289, uh, that was PIO awareness. 290 yes. is basic PIO. To continue yes. up the PIO pyramid, what's next? Um, advanced PIO, which is the six days on campus. Um, before that. Well, there, I guess in between, before that is the um, the Joint Information um, Systems, Joint Information Center class. Uh, one Is that 191? 291. Is it 291? I think it's G291. No, I don't remember. I don't remember my numbers like that. The JIC, JIS class. I think it's G291. Okay. So that's coming up. You guys are teaching it at the end of uh, May in Chester. Yeah, we're hosting it here in May. And then we're also hosting um, basic, or no, PIO awareness too that week. Yeah. And I think for the West, uh, they're doing the the JIC, JIS class uh, in June or July at the Allegheny Intermediate Unit. So, yeah, yeah very... I mean, you can find any if you're looking for any of those classes like basic PIO, PIO awareness, you can go on a trained PA. Um, you can find that from Pima's website and they'll tell you all the classes that are going on throughout the Commonwealth. Some very exciting news regarding Wait, the conference. More? Yep. And I'm just oh, yeah. I'm just going to spill it. Oh, are you? I'm spilling it. Did you get clearance from Garlack? I'm pretty fairly confident that he would allow me to say this. The Kima challenge coins have been designed and they have been ordered and they will be available for sale at the Kima conference. And um, from what was designed, it looks pretty spectacular. I don't even know if spectacular is the word. Oh, they look amazing. I, I can't even. I'm so excited. Yeah, I I'm think need like ten of them. <laughs> I think it's a um I think it's a great tribute to Kima uh past and I think it's a great uh thing for Kima today and moving forward because on the back it kind of honors the early days of Kima and the other side of it honors the today and the future of Kima. And that's right. all I'm gonna say about that and people that when you finally hold one of these things in your hand you'll you'll understand when you flip it over front and back and say now i know what he meant when he said that we're honoring the chemo of of the past and the chemo of the future right so uh yeah speaking of the future conference yeah do i have a couple seconds here to plug that a couple okay so for the conference you know we have that basket raffle um at the where we encourage everybody to bring different things from their communities to raffle off so we can see different foods, different items that are available in your communities. Um, we are taking those baskets. So if you, um, if you'd like to contribute one, uh, donate one to the conference, uh, let me know. Um, you can email me. My um, information is always in the show notes, or you can email me at conference at kima hyphen PA.org. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah. It's a very, okay, very, 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 very good thing. So, are we going to put together a podcast basket? No. 
But the closing music has just started. Oh, I hate that closing music. I know. Um, as tradition would have it, I do have a closing question to end the show okay. with for you. How do you promote local emergency management at community events? Oh. Well, I do a couple of different things. Um, I hand out preparedness bags, which are grocery totes filled with um, all kinds of preparedness information. Um, I have games that we play with the kids. We have like a cornhole game, and then we have like a little wheel that you can come and spin for prizes. Um, just engage the community. You really only have about 10 seconds to engage the community when they come up, you know, if they come up to you at a table or something like that. We have postcards. We have all tchotchkes, all kinds of stuff to give away to, you know, encourage interaction. Chip clips. Chip clips. Magnets. Cups. Yeah. Magnets. Frisbees. No frisbees. Water bottles. No water bottles. Okay. Cozies. Koozies, whatever they're called. Yeah. Hand sanitizer. Yeah. It's a good thing. What about you? Nothing. What? We've never I... we've never done it before. I said way back when, like we we just we don't have a, a huge gigantic budget, but I will tell you I've spoke with elected officials and said, Can I have some money to get some stuff made to hand out at community day? And they said yes. So pretty much oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal all your ideas and, and get oh. stuff made. Okay. Ready White Oak. White Oak Borough okay. Office of Emergency Management, OEM, you know, that kind of a thing. Oh, well let me know if you need help with any of that. Okay. I will. And okay. um listen to everyone listening. Make sure you continue to help share this podcast on all your social media and stay tuned for next week's episode because next week's episode is going to be an amazing amazing topic that we are going to discuss it might get heated but we're going to save it until next week so amy thank you for joining me thank you today for thank you episode eight this has been episode eight of the kima podcast thanks for listening